We are in these series of messages continuing through the book of Proverbs, and we find ourselves tonight in Proverbs chapter 9, so I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles there, Proverbs chapter 9. I think you could make the case from a literary standpoint, from a thematic standpoint, that Proverbs chapter 1 all the way through Proverbs 9, are what we might call bookends to the first major section of an extended look on the topic of wisdom, God's wisdom from the ages. So these nine chapters are all about wisdom. Of course, the entire book of Proverbs is about wisdom in that sense, but I think Proverbs 1 through 9 is set thematically to hang together. And in between these two chapters, chapters 1 through 9, which, as I say, bookends this first major section of this great book of our Bibles, you have an obvious outline that you and I must not rely on our own wisdom, but rely on God's wisdom for life and living. If you wanted a one-word description of each of these chapters, it might be something like this. Proverbs 1 is the warning of wisdom. Proverbs 2, the work of wisdom. Proverbs 3, the wealth of wisdom. Chapter 4, the way of wisdom. Chapters 5, 6, and 7, the word of wisdom. Proverbs 8, the wonder of wisdom. And Proverbs chapter 9, the want of wisdom. It all hangs together. All of these chapters have something to say about God's wisdom versus our own. And for tonight, I want to show you in this last chapter of this first major section of the book, that is Proverbs chapter 9, what we might call the want of wisdom or the desire of of wisdom, or the need of wisdom, or the blessing of wisdom. When I say the want of wisdom, I mean crying out to God for His divine wisdom and not our own. And I think in a very, very real way, Proverbs chapter 9, as it ends this first major section of this book, is probably a crescendo chapter in many ways. Now, if you've looked through the book of Proverbs, if you've studied it, if uh, some of you, and perhaps you do, read maybe a chapter each day in a 30-day month or a 31-day month, you might have read these chapters many, many times, but not necessarily seen that Proverbs chapter 9, as it ends this first major section, is something of a crescendo because it's talking evangelistically. It's really an Old Testament evangelistic message. Now, of course, it doesn't explicitly talk about Christ in this chapter, not explicitly, but this is the Old Testament's way of talking about salvation and the want of salvation and the need of salvation. This is, a, this is an amazing poetic and thematic way of talking about wisdom as though she were a lady. 
Lady Wisdom. God himself as the preacher, preaching through Lady Wisdom so that you might grasp all of her treasures. This is the good news. This is the good news of salvation. This is God the preacher. This is God talking. He's entreating us. He's calling upon us to own the matter of salvation by grace. And this is going to be an overtly evangelistic message tonight. And I make no apologies for it because I dare say in a, in a group of folks this large, there are probably those of you who are sitting out there who don't know Jesus Christ. And I want to preach Christ tonight. I want to do that through maybe a portal from which you've not necessarily seen the familiarity of this idea of salvation, especially from an Old Testament perspective. But it's here. And because it's here, I want us to see it in a very, very remarkable and perhaps for some of you a new way. I really just have two outline points, and they're very easy because the entire chapter 9 of the book of Proverbs, 18 verses, is in fact outlined in simple forms, two ways and two ways only. That's it. I can't give you a three-point sermon tonight, simply because this particular chapter is saying acquire wisdom or lose life itself. So if I could give you an outline point to begin our message tonight, it would be something like this. Wisdom illustrated. Wisdom illustrated. And it's illustrated in this particular chapter in a very, very unique way. I mentioned Lady Wisdom. It's God personified as though He were speaking through a woman, Lady Wisdom. But there's another woman in this chapter. And we might call her Dame Folly. Lady Wisdom and Dame Folly. Dame would be a, a very prestigious name or designation, say for instance, in the United Kingdom. But this is a very negative woman. And uh, she takes a negative title, Dame Folly, as over against Lady Wisdom. You've heard it already read tonight. And really, it's a massive wisdom illustration by God using these two women to explain the way of salvation. I want you to notice that Solomon brings a simple, clear choice to us. And he's done that really through the first eight chapters also. He's been picturing wisdom, and in some cases already personified as a lady, and he continues that narrative here. And I want you to see underneath that outline point, wisdom illustrated, three ways that Lady Wisdom and Dame Folly are preparing to meet those who come their way. Three very illustrative, very high-energy ways in which this wisdom is a choice for you and me. For instance, the illustration starts with a woman building her house. 
Do you see it there in verse 1, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1? Wisdom, that is lady wisdom, this is the good kind of wisdom. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars, the ESV says. This is a beautiful piece of wisdom. This is, a, this is an elegant house. It's being built by lady wisdom. It's setting forth a very simple yet profound choice. Will we, as human beings, choose God and His wisdom? Or will we choose Dame Folly's path? A path that leads ultimately to destruction. So what does she do? She builds her house and she has hewn seven pillars. In other words, Lady Wisdom has meticulously built a dwelling, a grand house, a mansion, for those who need to stay with her to stay in her house. She's constructed a a beautiful palace with seven pillars. Maybe the idea of seven is that number of completeness, number of perfection. Lady Wisdom says about this house, come to my house where you will find the Lord of Wisdom. You'll gain knowledge, you'll gain understanding if you choose to stay at my house. Because at my house, when you stay here and when you live here forever, you will receive the greatest blessing in eternity. This is my house. Don't just come and visit. Come and live. Come and be a part of this. It's very, very clear that this is the illustration that Solomon wants to use. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She wants you to come. She wants you to dwell there. You know what that's saying. Own God's wisdom. Take His wisdom into your bosom. Live with wisdom. Know wisdom. Have an intimate relationship with wisdom. Be be so knowledgeable and understanding of wisdom, God's wisdom, salvation wisdom, so that if any other kind of wisdom comes your way, you will reject it out of hand immediately. You'll be able to contrast lady wisdom, God's wisdom, through this very mature woman. And when you see any other kind of wisdom, when you hear any other kind of takers, you will say, no, I'm completely satisfied. I don't need any other wisdom. Don't try to confuse me. Don't try to turn me off my path. I've gone to her house. It is splendid. It is perfect. It is majestic. I don't need any other kind of wisdom. That sounds almost too good to be true. I mean, who would want any other kind of wisdom? Who'd want to live in any other kind of house? Who'd want to be around any other kinds of uh, guests like this? Well, there, there is someone else who's speaking in this chapter. And you'll notice her in verse 13. The woman of folly. She's actually named. If you have a Bible like I do, the word folly is capital F. Dame Folly. She's loud. She's seductive. That's probably the best word translated there. She's seductive. And she knows what? Nothing. 
And she also has a house. Look at the first part of verse 14. She sits at the door of her house. She's got a house too. But it isn't the doorway of wisdom, God's wisdom. It's the doorway, my friends, of immorality. She's foolish. She's wicked. She's boisterous. She's loud. Don't go to her house. Don't even step foot on the porch. She's lying. She's lying to you. She has to be avoided at all costs. And if you don't believe me, turn back in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5. We sort of get note of her in chapter 5. And we see exactly who she is according to Proverbs chapter 5 beginning in verse 8. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. This is Dame Folly. This is a folly with a capital F. She sits there. She's waiting to lure someone to her house where immorality is the parlor of the day. And that means nothing but certain death. It's the great contrast, isn't it? It's very clear. It's a poetic way of saying, here's one house with the lady of the house and here's another and there's the lady of that house. Lady Wisdom is preparing something and so is Dame Folly. And not just preparing a house, I think secondly, look, there's some preparation of some food. Look at verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 9. Here's here's Lady Wisdom and I'm just going to toggle back and forth between Lady Wisdom and Dame Folly. Here's the preparation of her food. She's built this marvelous house, a house of perfection, and according to verse 2, she has slaughtered her beasts. She's killed animals. She has mixed her wine. There's food and drink. She has also set her table. This is, this is phenomenal. What's, what's the significance of the metaphor? What's the poetry here? Food is often seen as that which signals fellowship and friendship, right? It's a celebration. I mean, she's not only uh, made this exquisite house, but she also has food on the table. For you men, solid meat. For all you carnivores out there. I mean, it's phenomenal. She slaughtered her beasts. She's mixed her wine. It signals fellowship and friendship. It's celebrated by the experience of a, of a party, a social gathering where a meal is served and 
people are able to have verbal discourse. They're, they're going to be able to enjoy one another. And you know, that's what Lady Wisdom gives. God's not a killjoy. He wants to provide for us the kind of meal that's greater than any meal you and I've ever had. He's a God of abundance. He loves to feed His children. God has the wisdom of the greatest meal that you and I could ever think of having, and He wants to give it to us. But He wants to give it to us in His way and by His means and for our celebration, but also for His glory. That means that when we walk into that kind of house and when we sit around that kind of table, we follow the rules of the master of that house. And we we do what he says. And it's not a list of rules of do's and don'ts as much as it is this. I want you to have a good time. I want you to celebrate. I want you to eat to your heart's content but only if you eat at this house and only if you do what I, the master of the house, tell you to do. Because I I know every nook and cranny of this place. I know how you're going to be most fully satisfied. And if you do it my way, you're going to have nothing but unending joy. Come and join me. Now, who would refuse Well, apparently, there are those who do refuse. And Lady Folly is right at the door telling you a completely different story. Does she have a house? Yes. Look at verse 14 again. She sits at the door of her house. Oh, she does. She's she's just like Lady Folly. Wisdom, she's, she's right there at the door. She's encouraging you to, to come in. It all looks fine and dandy. It's very enticing. She's letting you know that you can have fun, unbelievable fun, if you come to her house. In fact, so much so that verse 17 says, Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. You might not know this, but this is a Hebraic euphemism for sexual immorality. The idea of stolen water being sweet. Stolen water means that you're having a sexual relationship with someone who's not your wife. And the idea of bread eaten in secret being pleasant... Oh, it might have its momentary pleasure. But immorality will be the death of you. Oh, yes. If you, if you want to chance it, if you convince yourself because of Dame Folly's wisdom that nobody's going to know, nobody's going to see it, nobody knows me around these parts, I can do this. It's not a problem. She's prepared her own lavish dishes. And in fact, Dame Folly will even be that one to whom you will have such a relationship. 
It's real, isn't it? Sad to say it's altogether too real. Because so many people fall to such immorality each and every day. It's terrible. You think she's preparing food for you? You think she's providing a bountiful provision of all of God's goodnesses? It's a lie. And anybody who's ever been involved in immorality, you know it's a lie. You know it isn't true. Oh, it might be a pleasurable situation for a season, but it never lasts. And then you have to live the rest of your days, unless forgiven by Jesus Christ, with a kind of guilt and sorrow. We just read about it in Proverbs 5. Why? Why did I do this? And Lady Wisdom, she shouts. She shouts aloud. In fact, she's been shouting for a long time in the book of Proverbs. In fact, go back in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Lady Wisdom is prominent in these first nine chapters. And in Proverbs chapter 1, she's been crying aloud. According to Proverbs 1.20, wisdom, lady wisdom, cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she, notice that, she raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones? Well, you love being simple. Being simple means foolish. Being simple means stupid. Being simple means someone who doesn't know God. Someone who isn't a believer in the Lord. In a New Testament, New Covenant context, we would say someone who isn't a Christian. Someone who doesn't know Christ. How long will you reject Jesus Christ? Will you love forever and a day being simple, simple simple-minded, foolish? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, and that word turn there, that's that Hebrew word shuv, that's repent. That's the word for repentance. If you repent... Because Lady Wisdom is reproving you. Behold, she says, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. See, that's going into her house. That's fellowshipping with her. That's having a a relationship with God through the poetic dynamic of the wisdom that he offers for a safe life, for a secure life, for a heavenly life, for an eternally blissful life. If you'll repent, I'll pour my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. But there's Dame Folly, and she won't have it. She's she's crying as loud as she can, just like Lady Wisdom. And Dame Folly wants you to know something else. And that something else is there in Proverbs one twenty four, Because I have called you and you refuse to listen. Why did you refuse to listen? Because you were listening more to Dame Folly than you were Lady Wisdom. Lady Wisdom says, I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Why? Verse 25, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. You wouldn't repent. 
I reproved you time and time and time again, and you wouldn't turn. And then these very, very solemn words of verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they, that is those who were foolish and obstinate, those who were scoffers and and those who repeatedly spurned my reproof, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Again, why? Verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way, and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple, the fool, the non-Christian, the unbeliever, are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. And after that very solemn message, there might still be hope. Look at verse 33. But whoever listens to me, Lady Wisdom, will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. That's a gospel call, my friends. That's a call of Jesus Christ who is commanding you to come to Him, to repent to take His reproof upon you. He's built the house. He's got the the greatest dwelling in the history of mankind. He's prepared all the food. You'll never have a greater meal than this. It's It's the greater meal because it's the meal of wisdom, godly wisdom, holy wisdom. So you've got to make a choice. You've got to make A choice. Lady Wisdom is is yelling at the top of her lungs, come to my house. And Dame Folly is yelling at the top of her lungs, come to my house. And I told you, verse 13 of Proverbs 9, she's, she's loud. She's boisterous. She's seductive. And even though she knows nothing, the text says... She makes you think she knows everything. And you've got to be careful. You've got to reject her overtures. You must. Well, what does, what does she do? Look at verse 15. She's calling to those who pass by. And where might she be seated? Well, she takes her seat, according to verse 14, the latter part, on the highest places of the town. She's got a front row seat. She's looking for you. She's been waiting for you to come by. And as soon as you come by, she calls out to you. And by the way, look at verse 15. To those who are going straight on their way. I mean, I was going right where I needed to. We might even read this as, I was minding my own business. I wasn't making any trouble for her? Ah, but that's the whole point. She's looking at the unsuspecting. She sees that you are going straight away. 
And she calls out to you. And listen to her call, verse 16. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And of course, nobody's going to buy that. I'm not simple. I'm erudite. I'm educated. You're not going to catch me like that. Oh, and to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And so now the seductress is calling you to be with her. And those who are simple find that very hard to resist. Very hard to resist. And yet verse 18 says, but she does not know that the dead are there. Where's there? Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead. And by the way, that word dead in verse 18, the dead, Raphaim, that's the spirits of the dead. That's where you go immediately upon death. And your spirit will reside in a place of unending torment. Why? Because I was a fool. I, I took the bait. I became one of her guests. I went into that house instead of that house. And now as one of her guests... I'm trapped in the depths of Sheol. I mean, Lady Folly is all about deception. And she just sits at the top of the city with a megaphone, calling for those unsuspecting men and women to come her way. Now, she offers understanding. She offers a great time. She offers everything you'd want. It's just a moment. Just a half hour. After that, I'll be on my way. I can make up a story before I get home. I can tell everyone around me that uh, they ought not to do such things. I can uh, play the game of uh, looking good in church. I can go home and act like nothing's happened. Ho-hum, regular day. Yep, just went to work. Just uh, did what I could to feed the fam. Oh, no, I stopped and got a few things at the grocery store. It was a little bit later than normal, but everything's good. How are you? I mean, Dame Folly will help you construct the lie. She'll, she'll make it evident that you're good, she's good, everybody's good. And Lady Wisdom, what, what does she do? Look at verse 3. She's uh, sent out her maidens, her young women. She's got helpers. And so it's a, it's a band of those who are calling out. Lady Wisdom, her young women, and they call, and they also call from the highest places in the town, from the top of the city. Whoever is simple, 
let him turn in here. Well, wait a minute. That's exactly what Dame Folly says. Verse 16, whoever's simple, let him turn in here. I, I, I don't know which to choose. They both seem legitimate. They both seem like they've got sincerity. She says to him, verse 4, who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. But notice, notice the difference. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of understanding, insight. You could say it this way, walk in God's ways. Because this is Lady Wisdom talking. This is God talking through Lady Wisdom. This is God saying, I know that Dame Folly is out there, and I know our message sounds the same. I know that she's trying to allure you to a place of destruction, but I am here to tell you it's the wrong road. That is the road of destruction. And if you, as a simple person, that is a person who does not know God, I'm telling you that you can know God and be in this grand house and eat this scrumptious food and listen to this particular message and you will live forever. You'll live forever. Oh, I know all the philosophies of the world, apart from Christianity, say, well, don't believe that. That's too exclusive. There are many ways to God. And oh, by the way, in your path to your God, whoever he may be, whoever she is, if you go that path, you'll have a high old time in doing it along the way. You see, God is that killjoy. He doesn't want you to have fun. He doesn't want you to to go in the path where we're going because we're going with the crowd. We're going with all of the people who are all intent on having the greatest time of our lives. Don't you want to come with us? You young people, know this. You will be allured to think those thoughts and to do those deeds because of the friends you choose. And your parents aren't the killjoys when they say, I don't like you hanging around him or her. They're your protectors. And they love you, and they care about you, and they're trying to do exactly what Lady Wisdom is doing here. Leave your simple ways and live, that is, live eternally. Live in the here and now and live in the hereafter and walk in the way of insight, biblical insight. I mean, this is... This is wisdom illustrated par excellence. It couldn't be any clearer. Is this this the Old Testament version of Matthew chapter 7? Enter by the narrow gate. Not the wide gate that leads to destruction. Oh, the narrow gate. It's constrictive and it's narrow and it's seemingly very hard to get through the turnstile of repentance but it's worth it because when you're on the other side, you're going to be at the best house on the block. You're going to have the greatest food and you're going to have the greatest insight given to you. And you're going to say, 
oh, how I have received instruction for the right path. What if, especially for you young people, what if you think that Dame Folly is going to give you what you want right now for momentary pleasure and you go to that house and you eat that food and you get involved with a person like her and you get on that side of the gate. The only thing you're going to say for all eternity is this. Why did I choose that path? Why? Why? I mean, the choice is, is clear. It's utterly clear. If that's wisdom illustrated, now I want you to see wisdom instructed. Wisdom instructed. Here's how wisdom instructs you. Did you see that I left out verses 7 to 12? Here it is. This is wisdom's instruction. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself what? Abuse. What's, what's Solomon saying? He's saying that if you're on the right path, if you're at Lady Wisdom's house, if you're residing with God and you attempt to correct a scoffer, you're going to get abuse from that scoffer. So wisdom is also warning in the wanting. Yes, you're going to be teaching a very unpopular message. And people are going to say to you and about you, come on, you don't know what you're talking about. Who named you king? You're not the boss of me. Yeah, abuse. And, verse 7b, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury? Yeah, how about this? They killed the prophets. And they killed none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. For being what? Perfect. Sinless, righteous, holy. So yes, that's, that's insight that tells us that when you choose the right road, you will suffer as a result. Oh, it's constricted to be sure, but it opens itself up into blessing. But that blessing may come not just in fits and starts in this life, but also in the life to come. Verse 8, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Look, if you, if you try to reason with a scoffer, he's going to hate you. But if you reprove a wise man, he'll love you and say, thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Verse 9, give instruction to a wise man. Or, quite literally, because the Hebrew lacks the word instruction, give to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Why? Because he listens. Because he's open. Because he knows he's got so much more to learn. That means he's humble. He's listening to you. He wants your input. He wants your insight. You know what Solomon's telling us? He's saying... Listen to Lady Wisdom and she reproves you, you'll still be wiser. Follow her all the days of your life and you'll increase in learning. 
And just like chapter 1 that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, now we come to the last part of the major bookend of this first section of the book, and here it is. It's like a bookend. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And what do you receive? Oh, nothing except verse 11 says your days will be multiplied and your years will be added to your life. Oh, maybe not numerically per se for every single person who loves God's wisdom, but certainly the continuity of this life and the life to come. Right? None of us are promised the longest possible life that someone could live. Some of us may get close to that. Others of us won't. But the continuity for the Christian is, I have this life with Christ and that life, eternal life with Christ. And verse 12, if you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Now that's the way you've got to end a sermon. It's two roads. It's two houses. It's two tables. And it's two kinds of instruction. It's all there is. There's nothing left. There's no plan C. There's not anything beyond the choice of heaven or hell, Christ or Belial, life or death, this way or that way. You want to you see it in New Testament terms as we close. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and we'll close. This is... This is God's New Testament instruction that's right out of Paul's pen of wisdom. This is, this is the kind of wisdom that bookends both Testaments. You have Lady Wisdom in Proverbs 9. You have Pauline Wisdom here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 18. For the word of the cross, Christ's cross, for the word of the cross is folly. Stop there. You're going to say, now wait a minute. You messed up my choices here. Because you've been saying all night long now, Lady Wisdom, Dame Folly, Lady Wisdom, Dame Folly. Here Paul says, for the word of the cross is folly. Oh, but we have to continue. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. That means delivered from your sin because you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe that He lived a sinless life. You believe that He died a violent sacrificial death. You believe He was resurrected from the dead. You believe He will come one day to judge the living and the dead. And you are entrusting your entire soul to Him And that is folly to those who are perishing. But to you and to me who are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. That is, those in this life who are following Dame Folly because they thought she had more wisdom than Lady Wisdom. He'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. And then God takes up his cause through Paul's pen. Where is the one who is wise? 
I mean truly wise. Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Who's the grand orator of the day? Who can contend against God Almighty when he speaks through Lady Wisdom? Who, who is he? I want to meet him. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? I would dare say even the enticements of Dame Folly. For since in the wisdom of God, the true wisdom, the godly wisdom, lady wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly, folly in quotes, of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles, and folly to everybody else who goes into Dame Folly's house and thinks they're going to have a high old time. And you find out when you go through the back door of your hypocrisy that you go right into the Sheol, the spirits of the dead. Ah, but verse 24, those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the what? The wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I say to you tonight that if you think you are smarter than God Almighty, if you think you're wiser than Him, you're a fool. And it will take you from now to the end of your life to determine the choice you shall make. Choose now. Because if you come to the end of your life and you still think you're wiser than God Almighty, you shall be foolishly separated from Jesus Christ forever. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Amen. Praise God. Not many were powerful. No, we're not. Not many were of noble birth. That's us. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. He made you to know Lady Wisdom because you wouldn't have known Lady Wisdom any other way. And Jesus Christ came, became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that as it is written, that the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who are you boasting in tonight? Lady Wisdom or Dame Folly? If, in fact, you choose Dame Folly, Proverbs 9 says, you alone shall bear it. Don't bear 
and your responsibility the foolishness of this world. Choose life that you may live. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, this is a solemn word, but it is such a good word. It's a hallelujah word. It's a word of rescue. It's a word of redemption. It's a word of salvation. It's a word of reconciliation. Father, if there are those here tonight who've never bowed their knee to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, to receive and walk in His wisdom for in Christ and Christ alone are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We bow before Him and we thank Him for any whose eyes are opened even tonight that He is the only source of eternal salvation. And for those of us who have received Christ long prior to tonight, oh, hallelujah, we thank You for opening our blind eyes and unstopping our deaf ears so that through Your grace and grace alone, we went into Your house, the house that Lady Wisdom has prepared and We supped with You. We fellowshiped with You. And we were instructed and we were given understanding and we were given grace, the grace of Jesus Christ through His cross, through His work on Calvary. And we believed because You opened our eyes to see the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. You gave us Holy Spirit power to repent and believe. And so we have. And so we sing now for Your glory. Thank You for giving us Lady Wisdom. And for the privilege of knowing our Savior. Please keep us, even in our days of sanctification, away from Dame Folly not even listening to one single thing she has to say. Oh, Lord, thank You for Your grace and mercy. And may we praise You forever and ever as we all say, Amen.